Hi everybody, this is our first proper, well, guest, and I had Jack, and not that Jack is not a proper guest <laughs> for our last episode, but I'm here with Jessica today, and we have just recorded an episode with Maurice Hutchinson, who is the Managing Director of JMK Solicitors, which is um, Northern Ireland's top personal injury firm. Now, you'd wonder maybe how that fits in with our overall scheme of things here in Activist Lawyer, but it really, really does, and I think listeners will find, firstly, Maurice will touch on something that's very important to her and to her firm they've been grappling with for a long time which is calling on um, the Department of Justice for legislation to protect uh, injured children so uh, she'll talk about minor settlements and I think that's really eye-opening and fascinating and then she'll also talk about something which will affect all of our guests and listeners particularly within um, you know the legal profession around a four-day working week and how she balances that and how her staff have been, I was nearly going to say coming to terms with it, but it's <laughs> something that's very positive, have been enjoying Accepted. the benefits of working in a very, very busy, busy law firm, but also achieving more balance in their lives. And I think that's really important for all of us to hear. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And again, thanks to Jessica for being with me today and helping out. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Activist Lawyer. I hope you're all doing really well. Um, I'm joined today in the studio by our lovely Jessica and Maurice Hutchinson, who's the Managing Director of JMK Solicitors. Hi Maurice. Hello, how are you? Great, great, great. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so yes, we have a little bit of a different one today. It's not a topic with which I'm completely familiar with, so it's really been great uh, getting to know more about this issue. And just a, a little introduction of what we're going to be talking about today. So for several years, JMK Solicitors, who are Northern Ireland's leading personal injury firm, have been calling for action by the Department of justice to ensure that children's rights are fully protected when making personal injury claims. Justice Minister Naomi Long has stated that she is committed to focusing on the issue of protecting compensation for children arising out of civil claims such as personal injuries and that she intends to consult on how it might be possible to ensure that all settlements can be protected in a way that's proportionate. So we're going to get into a little bit more of the bones of this today with Maurice but before we do that Maurice just like all of our guests and activist lawyer could you let our listeners know a little bit about you yourself your career whatever you want to talk about today. (laughs) Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for the invite today. I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, I suppose to tell you a little bit about me, um, I qualified as a solicitor 25 years ago, now in September, which is nearly unbelievable to me now at this stage. (laughs) And um, at the start, I think I really wanted to practice criminal law and I was old enough to be um, practicing mainly up around Crumlin Road and going into Crumlin Road uh, jail uh, <laughs> when it wasn't a tourist attraction, uh, very far from it. And I was very lucky to be along with some incredible QCs. And I suppose maybe at that time, um, I had once sort of harboured the the desire to be a barrister. And when I'd seen those guys in action, it kind of reassured me that being a solicitor was probably better <laughs> because I don't think I could ever could have matched their advocacy skills. So um, I did criminal work for a few years. Um, but it was it was tough. It was tough work. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on call. You're going to playstations in the middle of the night. It was scary as well. The stuff that you were dealing with, and I really felt that you know I wasn't making a difference at all in what I was doing. And it was it was kind of soul destroying, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an opportunity in the practice that I was working in to do personal injury work, and this is where I find 
my niche, I suppose, and I absolutely loved it. I loved helping people. I was fascinated by the injuries. I was fascinated by the whole process of it. And it was the one area of law I felt that you were making a difference. You were helping people when they needed it. Um, You were actually giving clients money um, when a lot of lawyers are accused of taking money off clients. So it was fantastic. And I and I have such a Mm. such a worthwhile time. So I worked in that practice for about 10 years. I became a partner there um, and I got married and uh, I moved out of Belfast. And to be honest, I didn't want to do the commute anymore. So I started Mm. looking around and I came across Jonathan McKeown's solicitors in Newry and at that stage there was four people in the practice right. including myself <laughs> and um, can't imagine that it was a huge uh, psychological shift going down there so mm. um, I went down to Jonathan's uh, office and I never looked back um, mm. I was really given an am- amazing amount of support and encouragement and really the opportunity to, yeah. opportunity to be part of the growth from a very small practice, as I said, of four, and we're almost 80 Huge in, our, in our team now. And we have yeah. offices in Belfast and Newry, and we are hoping to open an office up in Derry oh. in the near future. So we're okay. really, really excited for that. And uh, we've been the number one personal injury practice in Northern Ireland for the last seven years. Wow. So it's it's been amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very happy to be there. And I'm very lucky to have... Yeah. Fantastic colleagues all around me, so um, to include Olivia Meehan, who's our legal service director, and just a huge team of great people. So we've been through a lot in the last year with the pandemic, I but I think we've come out of it stronger than ever. Yeah, my goodness, that's just such gro- such growth with that business. But it's so interesting, I think, for our listeners as well, because we do have a lot of younger listeners. They love to hear, you know, when they're currently trying to decide which road to go down and which route. We get a lot of people coming back with great feedback about hearing about other people's stories, solicitor stories and how they got to where they are. So that's so interesting that you took, you know, such a different turn. But I was a criminal, I f- like fair play to criminal lawyers and people do it. They're amazing. It's just such tough, tough work as well. Like, you know, not that like, I specialised then in immigration after doing criminal for a while, but it's so interesting to see where you got to um, from, from practising in that area. But anyway, so we'll go on to what we're talking about too. And you've been extremely busy covering ground with a few matters in three really it's the the issue we're going to talk today about minor settlements uh, which is really interesting also we're going to look at just your work practices too and how JMK have been kind of approaching things a little bit differently and taking a lead on um, a four-day work week and then just the firm itself has really been growing massively as you just said and um, faced you know challenges like everything through COVID but we'll touch on all of that but I think before we get to that um in the intro there, I mentioned about minor settlements and you've been, how many years have you been working on this now? And do you want to give the listeners a bit of background into this this area? Because I'm sure many aren't familiar with it. Well, I think that that's, that's kind of the point is that um, if you haven't, uh, if your child has been involved in an, in an accident, um, it's normally road traffic accidents, you may be approached by the insurance company who's at fault mm-hmm. who offer to make a settlement to you and your children in the car at the time mm-hmm. um, without you getting access to a lawyer and undoubtedly not getting access to court approval and really the, the issue around this is that if um, children's compensation is paid to their parents there is no guarantee that that money is going to be available to the child when they turn 18 and the parents 
through no fault of their own. I mean, they're not lawyers. They're not going to mm-hmm. know th- what the obligations are. They may feel that they're doing the right thing by their child in doing this. There's lots of reasons why this is, you know, a very worrying thing. Firstly, it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. In fact, most unlikely that an insurance company would bother to get any medical evidence for that child. So you have actually no idea the extent of a child's indis- in- in- injuries. injuries and and the other big um, concern is that. Um, we would liaise a lot with medical experts to include psychologists and psychiatrists. And what they have told us is that children often are very um, unlikely, particularly in you know primary age, to display psychiatric or psychological damage until later in life. So you you know they may it may manifest itself behaviorally. You know children may you know start bedwetting or other things that you may not actually connect to being involved in a road traffic accident and those injuries just will not be compensated and the parents may oh. not even be aware that child needs additional support so it's a for complete that. lack of access to justice so really it's about the lack of would you say regulations to compel you know courts um to approve settlements um, and of course compensation for children so that's what's well, essentially, there's nothing stopping insurance companies from the doing this practice. And in fact, conversely, the Association of British Insurers, who are a trade body for the mm-hmm. insurance industry, have developed a guide okay. to advise insurers to do this. It's right. actually a strategy of insurers. When you are dealing with people who are victims of your driver, mm-hmm. here's what you need to do. Now, they have updated their guidance after I have been obviously tormenting them really for the last five (laughs) plus years to say that we strongly advise people to get legal representation but there's no obligation it's not regulated it's not banned there's nothing legally requiring them to do this so we came across this issue because we had um, got freedom of information requests um, and it really was quite shocking to us to find that approximately a third of all cases registered with children um, were not getting um, approved by the court. And so they weren't having legal... Re- they weren't. Well, the, the inference is that they wouldn't have had legal, legal representation. representation. Right, I mean, okay. I, I'm not here to, you know, bash insurance companies. I mean, there may well be a possibility that lawyers mm-hmm. were not getting court approval, in which case, okay. you know, the Law Society have also been issuing guidance to members to say, you know, that's a, you know, a requirement to get mm-hmm. the cases approved. Um, you know, it is, it is a really serious issue. And I think that, you know, when you do work like like personal injury work, you are sort of the butt of a lot of jokes and, you know, ambulance chasers, compensation culture, all sure. of this sort of things. And that really is a lot of propaganda that has been put out by the insurance industry because the insurance industry isn't remotely interested in victims or in paying out in claims. They're yeah. just interested in generating profit for their shareholders. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, put out a lot of false information in my opinion in relation to the amount of claims in fact over the last 20 years claims have fallen by 50 percent in northern ireland so there's a lot less claims than there was 20 years ago but yet we're being told there's a prolific 
claim culture? So the figures speak for themselves, really. And you were shocked to find, you know, what you'd discovered yourselves all along was evident in the freedom of information request that you made. Mm-hmm. And even on the back of that, I think um, just I was reading a little bit about it in terms of the Civil Justice Review yeah. from Lord Justice Gillen, who expressed grave concern at this issue. Well, so I, w- I was very lucky that, you know, I was able to um, meet with uh Lord Justice Gillen and became a contributor to the Civil Justice Review mm-hmm. and you know he was extremely concerned about that and as, yeah. as he has stated in his report and it was in fact his recommendation that led to the call for legislative reform to ensure the practice was halted. Um, obviously that was back in 2017 and we're four mm-hmm. years down the line. Um, Assembly had stalled then yeah, at that stage so there was no impetus I mean I have been writing to successive justice ministers saying there's a call for a ban on this you need to do something about it and there's been many meetings between myself Department of Justice and with the Association of British Insurers I've also sit on the shadow, shadow this is a mouthful <laughs> shadow civil justice advisory group okay. so we've also been you know we're, we're, we've been formed essentially to help bring in the recommendations from yeah. the civil justice review and successive meetings we're calling for it we're calling for it and finally this year thankfully the department of justice accepted that it needed to go out to public consultation okay. and that has been launched in july just past there okay so that's the consult so there's a questionnaire available but just going back so the department of justice have said they're committed have you found that is there now a level of commitment for this going forward because it is a serious issue or well, I, would, well I, I do feel that, you know, I'm very, very grateful to the Justice Minister mm-hmm. for, you know, listening to what I had to say and, you know, bringing out the consultation. I am slightly disappointed in the content of the consultation itself because some of the um, points that are made, I feel, are tending towards not banning it. Yeah. Um, one of the points that I have uh, tried to make to the Department of Justice is that I feel that this is um, a human rights issue um, as yeah. well because the state is uh, obliged to legislate and take measures to implement the rights of children under Article 4 of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. And this is um, an obligation yeah. Uh, which does affect the economic rights of children. Um, so this argument about proportionality mm-hmm. keeps getting made, which I think is a, yeah. you know, is misleading um, because it's assuming that if it's a small amount of money, or it's not enough cases, that it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But children are the most vulnerable in society, and they are relying on adults and the law to protect those rights. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much money or how many it is children shouldn't be exploited and they are being exploited for the benefit of insurance company shareholders and yeah. that just cannot be right. And I just feel that it's just a basic principle of a decent civilised society mm-hmm. that they protect the innocent. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. 
To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. So really in this case, I mean, so we'll talk about a little bit more about the consequences of this not happening just in kind of just to give somebody, you know, an idea of the realities of it. And as you said, it doesn't matter about the amount um, of compensation, but really without that court approval and anything mandatory there, you're left with a situation where I suppose some insurers maybe do opt to provide advice or some level of protection, but without something in even judges, I'm sure, find it, you know, the, the judiciary itself can't really um, manage this without something in place and something there. But just to give listeners maybe an idea of maybe some of the cases, I know you can't talk about specifics that you've come across and maybe how this has impacted families or children, you know. Well, this is the very crux of the problem mm-hmm. because the child may not even know if they mm-hmm. were young enough that they were involved in an accident. So you're, it's very difficult to secure... Um, victims yeah. to come forward because those victims may well have had no idea sure. that this has happened to them and parents are unlikely to want to say oh I spent your compensation money on a sofa or whatever <laughs> has happened and I'm not saying that most parents you know are not absolutely focused on their on their children but certainly speaking to the judiciary about this this mm-hmm. issue one of the things that happens whenever cases are approved by the court is that the parents can make applications for payment out so they mm-hmm. can say if there's a welfare or educational need for the child the parent is allowed to apply to court for a payment of money to to use towards that end and the judiciary have said to me they have received applications for barbecues, family holidays, right? you know, things yeah. that are not necessarily in the child's interest. And, you know, parents might just think there's a pot of money there. This would be good for the family. Let's just yeah. dip into that. When that money could be used to pay towards university Education. fees, yeah, you know, exactly. health things. When you the know, child no turns 18, is that, and, and they can access it exactly. then? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. real. So there must be, there's huge, there must be a huge gap then with, you know, or ki- children who've fallen through, the g- who haven't had any, you know, I mean, you talk, spoke about a third there, but the mm. figures must be quite seismic, even if parents aren't aware of this. Absolutely. You know, I know and you're obviously re- relying on the register being completely, um, it's been completed correctly. So every, every case where someone is involved in an accident, the insurance uh, co- or the compensator uh, is obliged to complete the register within 14 days have been notified of a claim. So, you know, mm-hmm. if that isn't being completed correctly, you know, that is also an issue, you know, in terms yeah. of you don't, we don't actually know how big this problem is and it could, it could actually be worse. We just don't know. And you're relying on the person who is, if you if you like, the, the offender mm-hmm. to tell you what's happening. So yeah. it's really not a, it's not an ideal situation. And I think that the risk really for the insurer, which I'm, you know, is that that child can still come back. Absolutely. Up to their 21 and say... I want to make my claim now. And the insurer okay. wouldn't have a leg to stand on because they shouldn't have given the money to the parent. Right. Oh, that is... That's so... I, and then you yeah. can rest assured us as purchasers of insurance yeah. will pick up the cost of that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It'll so be passed on to us as a consumer. So something. So this has been going on. So fair play to... I mean, your firm have obviously been pushing this forward and yourself, Maurice, a spokesperson for that as well. So what's next or what? how can this be resolved? And, you know, are we any closer to... Well, my thing is... My thing is that, you know, please fill in this... Fill in this response. Please, as many people as I can say, it's on the Department of Justice website. Okay. So go on to it. 
Um, it is um, about 10 questions. Um, you know, the, the first question is really the only one that you need to answer, mm. you know, which is should the court yeah. uh, approve you. all minor settlements? I mean, mm-hmm. if you say yes to that and submit the response, that would be enough for me. Yeah. Um, there is also a, a children's version of the consultation, which okay. is, you know, is pitched at that level, which, you know, I would encourage all schools to get their students to complete it. You never know, victims could come out at this stage mm-hmm. and say, actually, this happened to me. Um, you know, I've got a 16-year-old daughter and I said to her, would you fill this in? You know, what do you think of this? And she was shocked to think that this could even happen. Yeah. And, and she's been listening to me talking about it for about five years mm-hmm. and she still sort of didn't really grasp it until she read the document. So it's really accessible from that perspective. So, you know, what we find before and other consultation responses is that... Um, the people who are defending these cases are extremely well resourced. They're huge global insurance companies who have got, you know, infinite resources really compared to the victims mm. to galvanize support, to file many, many, many responses. And I don't want the innocence mm-hmm. voice to be drowned out because somebody's got deeper pockets and can spend more money drafting. Yeah. our response and the person who's actually the victim of this so that's really my message is you've got to do this because yeah. otherwise this isn't going to be banned insurers are going to continue to get away with it and mm-hmm. you've got to wake up to the fact that you're being lied to in terms of compensation culture and all these other things it's just not yeah. happening and to regulate this we need legislation absolutely basically. how yeah. do you think that will look or how long will that take or you know what stages are involved for this well, obviously I'm sure you're, you know we're in the the mandates closed essentially mm-hmm. because we're going into re-election time as it never seems to end in this country no. but uh, <laughs> that's yeah, another so thing we have to be mindful of when yeah, we're ta- tackling yes. important issues like this yes. in Northern Ireland yeah <laughs> so there's the new elections I think are planned for the start of the year so there'll be nothing will happen mm-hmm. this year I mean I obviously was very disappointed about that because yeah. there was a miscellaneous bill going through and we could have potentially have got in under that one mm-hmm. but the consultation didn't come out on time so I'm I will be continuing to when this consultation response come back I'm hoping the minister will make the right decision mm-hmm. and go for a ban yeah. and thereafter I will be mm-hmm. pushing forward for what what this is going to look like mm-hmm. so it's really important then just again to listeners to get involved and you know it doesn't take very long click on it's the Department of Justice website yep. you'll find the link yeah and before the 24th of September yes though, that's it has the to be done the deadline is the 5th, 5 p.m. on the 24th of September um, genuinely it will take you 20 minutes to do it you can do it all online it's easy to do um, you know the school one the one for children is it's really 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 simple and you know will take 10 minutes I would say to, to complete and get it done and I think it's worth your time absolutely I mean we're talking about protecting vulnerable children here and I mean this is something that can happen to all of us it's you know it's a, a global a global issue but it's something I, I certainly wasn't aware of and it's great to have um, attention drawn to it so uh, get involved and if anybody has any um, questions about it or anything like that I mean we'll probably put a bit of text up as well about this on our website just to accompany this episode well we're, we're hoping on the, on the JMK website to have a, a link with a lot of you know, resources on it and a bit more information on it because, it, you know, just to make it easier for, for people to, to be aware of it. So we're hoping to get that up by the start of September. Well, so we'll, give you we'll share that too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Really Thank appreciate you. the support. Not at all. And just, so we'll move on just to another. So, Maurice, you've been busy on another issue as well. It's, I don't know whether it's a result of 
COVID or not, the change in um, your kind of working conditions within GMK. But I think it was in place before that, wasn't it? So this is the four day working week. Yeah. Um, tell listeners about this, because I'm sure a lot of especially firms, not to put pressure on other <laughs> law firms out there to do this. But Maurice is going to tell us a little bit about how this has been working in GMK solicitors. Yeah, well, it's a lot, li- a lot lighter topic to go on. To. <laughs> it is. Just move on. <laughs> so yeah, so um, I have been talking an awful lot about this in the last last couple of weeks, um, mainly because I was asked by Forza, who is the uh, the massive um, trade union in the Republic of Ireland, to come on board and help them with their forty week Ireland campaign. So that was launched um, earlier in the summer, and they're are signing up their pilot companies now at the moment. So I've been asked to be a mentor for some other companies to make sure that they get the benefit of our experience. Brilliant. But really to go back to why do we do this? I think one of the things that Jonathan and Olivia and I have talked about a lot is that we really want to be the best place to work. And we constantly strive to find better and more innovative ways mm-hmm. to to be the only place where people would want to go to. And in fact, one of the recent surveys, one of our staff said, why would you want to work anywhere else? And for me, that's that's yeah. it. That's the, you know, that's you the, get the ultimate. Yeah. So the background is 2017, um, we decided it's so depressing. The weather is rubbish. <laughs> why don't we go and work in the sun? Why don't we find a way that we can work abroad in the darkest winter month of February? So... <laughs> We have been paperless since 2011 because uh, we developed our own case management system. We scan all our posts on, so we don't have paper files. We are completely not the traditional solicitor's practice in any way, shape or form. Um, Now, putting in that case management system nearly put our lights out because it was such a cultural shift. We were all dictaphones, the whole shebang. So to go from that to no files and no 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 type no typing pill was you know a massive a massive psychological shift. So and the the project we called it um, a core our ultimate core values project, which was um, if the team could find savings either in photocopying costs or printing costs or efficiencies in terms of process to pay for half of the cost of the flights and half of the accommodation costs, we would go to Lanzarote for the month of February. Oh. And they did it. And we went. I and know you did. I just I didn't <laughs> know what was behind it, but I remember seeing this and I was like, is that real? Or is that, is it just a few people? Or who absolutely, was it? Was it everybody? Absolutely everybody could go. <laughs> and, you know, it was absolutely amazing. And yeah. there was lots of like, oh, I can't go. I've got kids or... I can't go because, mm. you know, I work as in the admin team and everybody could go. So what we did for the people who had kids, to include myself, is that we went in half term week. That's why we went in February. So oh, the kids didn't brilliant. have to go out of school. Um, everybody was allowed to work whatever hours basically they liked. Um, some people didn't go. Some people stayed at home. People at home loved being at home because it was quieter in the office and they got peace. Um, and there was a buzz about us being away. Um, so because the, the, the team did the project... Mm-hmm. Uh, we stayed in a five-star hotel because they picked the hotel because they needed somewhere with good Wi-Fi. So 
the AT team. I thought you were going to say good wine. <laughs> well, the sorry. wine was good too. <laughs> At the weekend, obviously. Good like, Wi-Fi, yes. But it was amazing. It was an absolutely amazing hotel. My kids still rave Aww. about it now. You know, it was one of the best weeks ever. And it was so amazing to get to meet other people on the team that I wouldn't normally get yeah. to spend time with. I know it was a bit awkward, the whole swimming pool situation. But, you know, <laughs> aside from that, you know, it wasn't I really I think I would find that, that a bit awkward. Yeah. 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 Well. yeah, yeah. But you got over it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it was good, good bonding Brilliant. experience. So when we came back, we then looked back and said, well, what did we learn from that? Mm. And what we learned was we had the best turnover in the business's history during that month, which was just unbelievable. So we thought, well, if we can do that, what could we do? And next, and there's been lots of things that I have seen about it. Jonathan was obviously, you know, he is the, you know, he is the ideas man. You know, Mm -hmm. Olivia and I would be the implementers, I suppose, in the business, but um, I had seen a program, uh, it was about a German pencil factory and they did a, like a job swap. So they had a guy from Germany come and live in the UK and the guy, a family from the UK went to live in Germany. And basically they were trying to establish why the UK has the highest amount of working hours, but the lowest amount of output. Right. And basically it was just that we just muck about too much in work yeah. and we're not focused. So what what the, the outcome of that was is that we're only productive three hours a day. We only actually do anything that's going to generate income three hours a day. And all you needed to do was find an extra hour of productivity a day and you get a day off. So that's what we did. A lot of people believe that um, the the four-day week is 40 hours in four days or that you're taking mm. a 20% pay yes. cut. We are doing 30-hour weeks and anybody who was on a four-day uh, week got a 20% pay rise. So everybody's getting... 100% of their pay for four, for, her 80, for 80% of the hours for 100% of the output. That's really Amazing. the way it works. And, you know, in terms of ourselves, a lot of other companies just say, we're, we're just going to do a four-day week. They, they go in on a Friday yeah. and say, Monday, we're flipping to a four-day. Because we're lawyers, because we're overthinkers and perfectionists, mm-hmm. we spent two years, those two years between 2017 and 2019, researching it, working out how we can make it happen. Because yeah. the only way it's going to work for a business is if you've set your your baseline KPIs. So you need mm-hmm. to know what you're talking yeah. You know, you know, you can't, you can't drop below your output and you yeah. can't drop below your, your satisfaction mm-hmm. levels because we have a 99% recommendation rate from clients mm-hmm. and we can't let that slip. So those have been maintained. Brilliant. We went live in January 2020, just right before the pandemic. Uh, wow. March, Aww. we sort of thought, are we crazy doing this? And do you know what? It was the best thing we could have done because people needed their time off yeah. more then than ever because people were so stressed. So oh, we were very, very lucky. And great. it's just been brilliant. So productivity was um, had to be maintained. But how do you think, just how does this tie into, I suppose, mental health, well-being? You've just touched on it there with COVID. But just in general, that must do something for people yeah. to know that they have that little bit of time, you know. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just you know, we, we, we've, have some of our team have you know done videos and stuff it's on our social and on our website about it um you know there's there's people who've got interest in farming so they've been able to spend more time in the farm one of our our uh, apprentice solicitors is really talented singer songwriter so she's doing oh. music you know there's just yeah. different things that you do and i think that you know we lawyers are you know workaholics you know and yeah. i and we really do work ridiculous hours and i would have been the worst defender of that and you know for me it was so important that we showed that we meant it and we took the day off and weren't sneaking back to do emails and things on our day off so mm. um 
but yeah, we don't we don't work do the three day weekend. You know, everybody has a different day yeah. off, or some people work shorter hours during it's the flexible. week. It's flexible because it suits everybody different ways. But obviously, we have to be open five days because of court and because you know that's what the yeah. clients need. But you know, no one works five days. Yeah, and it really fits into this culture now that we're moving away from, like the old old school times where it was the later you work, the more productive you are. Obviously, and I remember even the firm I worked with in Dublin, there'd be girls sending emails at like you know one o'clock in the morning. So it's the yeah. the first thing that opens. And you're like, God, she worked till one o'clock last yeah. night. But like that is not it's, it's not proven. Healthy. No, it's been proven to be you know, unhealthy and it unproductive. Has to be. Absolutely. And re- rest is such an important thing. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much talk now about burnout, particularly in our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it is really very worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's got to be a life outside of work. And you bring so much more to work when you've got, you know, outside mm-hmm. experience. Um, you know, we, we do loads of health and fitness challenges. We do loads of things in work that are, you know, yeah. not to do with work, like charity work and lots of different things that are yeah. much more enriching to you as a person and mm-hmm. it means that you've got something to give to your clients because if you have been slogging your guts out 14 hours like where's where you're going to lose your empathy you're yeah. going to lose your ability to rationalize you know you're just it's just a slog it becomes a job and I suppose the importance of this podcast in particular we've had um you know guests on here who are doing amazing amazing work but one thing we always ask them is what do you do to relax because they're so passionate they're so driven for their clients protect particularly where they're working in very difficult areas with asylum seekers and very vulnerable people you know victims of injustice etc etc and that can be very taxing you know mentally emotionally and we've had people in here speaking about how emotional uh, the emotional ties they have with their clients but you're right it's great to be able to also step back as well mm-hmm. and you know burnout is something that we'll all experience I've yeah. experienced it myself mm-hmm. you know and it's great to have that balance so really you're one of the fir- I'd say probably you know in terms of our industry leading the way in that but what has been the response because you have been speaking to other industries not just law am I right yeah, yeah. about this yeah. and are people really excited by it or your people still a bit like god how's that going to work or you well, know well i think i think we were the first in northern ireland to do it i just certainly haven't heard of any, yeah. any other company did it before we, we did um but yeah i think i think people are very are very cynical about it mm-hmm. um employers know that they're going to have to do it because they're going to lose their talent if they don't so mm-hmm. um we were meeting with um Tuesday this week uh it was ceos of lots of different companies quite a lot of tech companies right. um because they you know are it's a very high, mm-hmm. um, you know, demand uh, industry. You know, it's very difficult to secure talent mm-hmm. in that industry. And they know that they need to be agile in what they're offering. You know, particularly in this republic, when yeah. you've got the likes of Google and of Facebook headquarters and they're offering all sorts of things. Yeah. And people don't want to work in the office anymore. Mm. And there's lots and lots of stuff that's having to happen to, to, make, to attract talent, keep talent. So, yeah, I think I think that people are getting on, getting with the program. And it's, there's just so much out there. There's... So many books about it, you know. Yeah. There's, there is. I just genuinely cannot see any negative. Yeah. I just can't see a negative to it. I just think it is brilliant. I mean, for myself, you're talking about like how do you, you know, how do you unwind? I had to book stuff into my Wednesday, yeah. so I like go do Pilates, Good. or I've I've started like going to a trainer. 
you know, mm. and doing the walking. I've got a dog. I've done loads of things. I think I need to fill to the time because sure I'm, I'm not. I'm not a sit in sit in the house no. person doing nothing. I know. Start maybe the I'd temptation would be there to just get the old laptop. The old out. addiction would I kick think in. I'd be the same as you, so it would be something I'd have to pick the time in for. Yeah. <laughs> um. But look, that is. I just think it's so exciting, and I think a lot of the guests we've had on and people listening to this would be really keen to hear about that yeah. and how it is working in reality. And we've we've witnessed it. We know a lot of people who work in JMK, and we just heard good good reports about it yeah so that's good and just back I know the topic here the, the key topic was about the minor settlements and you know protecting vulnerable children in personal injury claims but just bringing that into this podcast I suppose in terms of representing vulnerable people how important do you think it is to kind of you know maintain that level of activism there you've been doing it a lot and for lawyers how can listeners get involved or would you recommend this type of work that you're doing well I just think as I said you know I, I am really proud to be a personal injury lawyer you know I'm a I'm also um you know I've been a member of the association of personal injury lawyers for 20 years I'm their joint regional coordinator I'm a fellow in APAL you know I really am loud and proud personal injury and I've never you know not been proud of it because I feel like I am helping people when they have suffered injuries that are catastrophic you know they may never work again um they may have suf- suffered psychological harm so things like that i just feel you know it's an it's a privilege to be yeah. able to help people whenever they're in need and you know i i feel very humbled by people's experience the, the feedback that we get from clients is incredible the things that they say that we have achieved for them they've changed their lives you know they've put their minds at rest mm. you know it really you know it is it would bring tears to your eyes some mm. of the things you know we've dealt with very very seriously hurt people and we've dealt with people who aren't that seriously hurt but are still extremely stressed by the process and if they don't have our protection mm-hmm. i mean you're throwing them to the wills because there, there's nothing there to stop that and i think that there there's you know people it's like the dirty secret in the, in the legal profession, mm. personal injury work. It really is. It's been allowed to be, you know, the butt of jokes and for too long. And you'll only know how much you need us mm. when that awful thing happens to you, our family member. And mm. if you allow, it's going to cost you £2 a year on your car insurance mm. to take your rights away forever. Yeah. You're really going to want to do that if you mm. have a family member who is catastrophically injured and will never mm-hmm. work again and will need 24-hour care I mean it just doesn't stack up so I would really encourage people to do it I have found it very difficult to yeah. to do what I've done you know obviously I've got a full-time job I've got two kids mm-hmm. you know I've now got a dog as well you know <laughs> uh, you know I've lots of lots of responsibilities and yeah. you know I think that but for me it is I just couldn't step back and yeah. say Somebody put a quote up on LinkedIn the other day, which I absolutely loved, um, which was Seamus Heaney quote, which says, there is no such thing as an innocent bystander. And I just think if you yeah. see something that's wrong, you've got to do something about it. Yeah. And that is why I got into this. I believe in yeah. justice. I believe in the legal system. You know, I think that, you know, we do honourable work and I'm, I'm proud to be, I'm proud to be a personal injury lawyer. And I really, really hope that everybody gets behind this yeah. consultation and, and starts bucking the trend. Absolutely. Well, gosh, yeah. I mean, you're so passionate about it, but it is, as you said, where, where would you be? You'd be absolutely lost if you did encounter that situation. And I think it's great to have you on, Maurice, <laughs> to, to, you know, really like show us an insight into that industry because we don't see it enough we don't and you're right it's people maybe this image behind the scenes ambulance chasers and you know it's really really not I mean and you're working with a great team behind you as well yeah incredible 
there's loads of information about the work that you do on your website as well and we'll obviously share the link to that but it's been absolutely fantastic to have you in our lovely wee studio here today to talk about all of those issues I think everybody will find it very very interesting and um, listeners it'll be great to have your feedback on this episode too so thanks so much for coming in Oh thank you so much Sarah and Jessica you're so brilliant to do on this I have to say they, they can tell you how nervous I was maybe another time but yeah oh. you've made it very easy for me oh. I really appreciate the time thank Not you Not at all Thanks so much. Chat to you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was it for uh, our episode there on a very interesting topic. And we have so many interesting guests coming up in this segment of Activist Lawyer. Next episode will include Megan Burns, who'll be talking about another issue that I have to admit I wasn't fully, (laughs) fully aware of, which is cryptocurrency. So it's great to have people on talking about issues that we're all still trying to get our heads around. So that will be one to watch for. So um, again, from Jessica and myself. Yes, um, that was an excellent episode, Maurice. And anything that Maurice spoke about um, will be linked in the description, um, along with the forums and along with the JMK website, if you do want more information. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's everything from The Activist Lawyer today. Stay tuned. Follow us on social media to stay up to date. Thanks so much. Bye. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.